Hello, everybody. It is great to be here again today. My name is Gary Fowler, and I am the CEO, President, and Co-Founder of GSD Get Shit Done Venture Studios, premier AI and quantum venture studio located in Palo Alto, California. So I'm a 17-time serial entrepreneur. I've been had the pleasure of being involved in two unicorns. I was on the original management team of Click Software, which was sold to Salesforce for $1.35 billion and also Eva.ai, an AI tech, HR tech company that I co-founded with Dr. David Yang. We believe at GSD that intellectual capacity is evenly spread around the world, but opportunities are not. And it's with great pleasure with that, that we're Maria Pinar, who is a venture capitalist, who's an early stage investor, who's been involved in sales and marketing, moved to the U.S. in 1996 from South Africa originally, believes that we need to have a diverse background and environment for everybody to be able to uh, perform equally to democratize the opportunity around the world. So with that, I'd like to bring Maria on board. Hi, Maria. How are you today? Hello, Gary. Thank you. And so wonderful to be here with you. So how was it? So you grew up in South Africa. How was it in South Africa growing up? What did you do for fun? <laughs> well, I mean, being in, South talk about. <laughs> <laughs> being in South Africa growing up, um, you know, one of one of the things that's always amazing is just the access to safari and wildlife. So that's always on your backyard. And I have very fun memories of that. And we have amazing beaches. So there's a lot of diversity and obviously being a country of now uh, 11 official languages, um, it, it's just so culturally diverse as well and always inspirational. So now when you grew up as a kid, I know in my, our backyard, we used to have bears every once in a while. Did you have lions and, and giraffes and those kind of things or how was that? No, only only if you live on a game farm, you may have those literally on your backyard. But mm -hmm. it's it's uh, from where I grew up in Johannesburg area, literally an hour and a half, two hours drive. And then you're in what we call the bush. Um, I have many friends who have game farms as well. So it was always nice to go away for weekends. And yeah, then um, then you do have, uh, depending on the on the type of game and wildlife they have on, on that game farm, um, or ranch, uh, you may have lions or giraffes. I mean, giraffes and antelope are the typical ones you will see, but not always the wild cats and the big cats and the big five. <laughs> well, it must, it must be interesting, though. So how big, you know, are the wild animals just roaming around? Are you saying, are there in ranches and preserves? Are there, so, are there have wild habitat anymore? Or what's going on? Yeah, no, I mean, obviously, all the game ranches and game farms are part of huge bio-ecospheres. So the largest and most well-known is Kruger National park which is now merged with the largest national park in uh, Mozambique as well I think that's about four times the size of uh, the Netherlands and all the game farms are part of this ecosphere so they literally take the fences around and the um, these ranches or these farmers do become part of the overall wildlife management in South Africa um, it's it's very well done and obviously conservation for us is just inbred in the culture and community for pretty much from the day that you are born. So um, yeah, we do we do like to take care of that inheritance of, of what makes South Africa, I think one of the best countries to go visit as well. 
Wow, that's great. Okay, so 1996, you moved over to the U.S. Why did you move? I was literally recruited. Um, I was part of the startup team of Vodacom, which is the Vodafone property that pretty much launched the uh, mobile industry um, on the continent of Africa. And because of our success um, of being able to break even within uh, something like 18 months, which was unheard of, uh, one of the things I did in, in my product management career there is I literally broke the, the model for voicemail communications in Africa and South Africa. Answering machines wasn't really something that was known. And when you looked at the voicemail models, um, it, the platforms literally broke even in about uh, four years. You know, a, a lot of the vendors like Octal and our Vodafone partner um, tried to get us to basically do the normal subscription model, which you get very low rates. Um, because the model in South Africa was calling party pays, we wanted to terminate the call. So we used a combination of a text message notification, drove adoption that uh, literally had about a 90% adoption rate and uh, the platforms broke even in three months versus four years. Wow, that's amazing. And uh, then Octel decided they needed to recruit me. <laughs> I literally came out uh, to Palo Alto in summer. And, How was uh, it? When, so was it a culture shock coming over to Palo Alto? Yeah, I, it was wonderful. I've, I've always uh, loved innovation and being in Palo Alto in summer with the summer product launches and um, all the activities around it from all the famed companies that you only read about when you grow up in South Africa was like being in a wonderful Disney world for me. And uh, obviously Palo Alto is a beautiful city as well. And I just decided, yep, I can live here. So I decided to take hold of the opportunity with Octal. Now, were the house prices similar to South Africa when you came over here? No, I mean, obviously, there's huge difference in, in house prices versus what you can get in South Africa. I mean, there you literally get a lot more money for the type of house, size of house that you can get versus, uh, especially in a place like the Bay Area. No, that's great. So you went to Global Star and you started to move around and you were doing business development and product marketing. Then I see Solid USA. And as you're going down through, what made you decide? At what point did you go down through and decide that you want to start doing investing? It was literally when I started working for the Finnish government in, uh, that was 2006. I had the wonderful opportunity with some of my Finnish colleagues from uh, Solid that became part of the Finland trade um, organization. And Finland was always an amazing country when it looked at how they as a country want to stimulate entrepreneurs and have these entrepreneurs grow, grow and scale. So we set up a new model for acceleration for Finnish startups um, into the US and also tied to that um, a, a, a global trend spotting organization called Finnote, uh, which we did in conjunction with the Finnish government funding organization. So part of it was to see how we can change some of the funding models and government accelerator models to have more entrepreneurs successfully 
into even markets like the US, um, our focus was the US, but also globally, which are the next trends that we wanted to fund in. And in Finland, you also feed that back into the tertiary institutions uh, for startup garages is where you want to apply the government research funding for these new trends, which ultimately will start planning off over a five to 10 year period when yeah. those categories start coming up. So when you did, you did that for about three years, a little over three years, are there a lot of Finnish companies that have come over now or how is it? Because I don't hear about that many of them. Quite <laughs> no, they, they actually quite a number of, uh, there's a good ecosystem. I mean, part of the ecosystem, we started stimulating. I mean, we established in the first six years um, that we were doing that 55 Finnish companies quite successfully in the U.S. market to uh, half of them had very great exits and other half still growing strong. I mean, one of our first uh, uh, known Finnish brand companies was um, uh, Rovio Mobile, Angry Birds brand, where they were focusing on Hollywoodizing uh, um, uh, games. Well, you uh, I don't hear much about him anymore with uh, Vesterbacher or something, right, Peter? Yeah, Peter is now, I think, moved on to other areas. Uh, I mean, prior to, to Rovio, he was actually with HB Bazaar, again, focusing with HB. But, yeah, he became the, the known chief marketing officer. Um, but, yeah, Peter is still very involved in the whole Finnish ecosystem. I mean, obviously, one of the things where Finnish and Nordic innovation really gets highlighted is with Slush. Mm-hmm. which is uh, a, another part that we were quite involved in and in, in how to bring U.S. investors into more exposure to the Finnish. So there's still a lot of categories still where I think Finnish uh, innovation you'll see a lot of is around VR, AR, um, obviously AI, um, the, the typical categories, but still very active ecosystem and, and Slush has just grown and you know, just based on that, it's it's just scaled globally as well. That's great. So you moved on, and and then uh, what is? Did you go back to South Africa with Celsi? Yeah, I was asked to go back to uh, work on a um, turnaround project for Celsi, is the third uh, player in the market. And um, you know, when when one of the previous Palo Alto, how was it? To, to... Did you did it feel normal when you went back? How was it? You know, Gary, I I think when you've lived in two countries and and you started adopting and assimilating to new cultures as well, it's always interesting to go back when you go back to your home country, um, because I think you you bring in a lot of different outside perspectives as well. In some ways, it was quite challenging, but the other part which was really encouraging was also to get involved in the um, startup ecosystem there and just seeing the absolute raw talent and how hungry people are to learn. And I've always been for how do we bring these worlds? Because I've seen so many times, even with my experience as a chief information officer at, at, at a company like C. If you just bring a lot of strategic advice and from, I would say, first world abundance into that um, uh, innovation from where you have a lack of a lot of resources, but incredible creativity. If you just bring these two worlds together, you see amazing things happening. And, you know, that was similar to my experience as well when we launched the mobile industry on the continent by tapping into vendors like uh, Octal's global knowledge as well and adapting it to the local market understanding and that's what really excites me um 
when you start seeing that just from an innovation and entrepreneurship perspective. So what made you decide to come back again? I've always had a plan to come back to the U.S. Um, I mean, one of the key, I would say, triggers that that I think accelerated that move uh, a bit earlier was COVID outbreak in, in uh, 2019 when I started seeing that ha- happening. And I thought that was a best timing to come back to the U.S. and then really again to how do we build this ecosystem between investment into the African continent um, while I'm here, um, I think the timing was really good in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, what brought me back at that point in time, and yeah, met amazing people like yourself in the in the process as well. But yeah, there's a lot about African investments um, that excites me. It's a it's a I would say a continent and markets that's still very unknown from a US investment perspective. And it's good to now start building that ecosystem because just pre-COVID, there was a lot of interest, especially from Facebook and Twitter, PayPal, on on investments on the continent as well. So how do you address the uh, African continent? There's 38 countries there, and each one of them have their own culture, their own culture or culture. Each one of them have, they've got some sometimes political issues, sometimes not. How, how do you do it? I mean, safety, too. I mean, there's safety issues depending upon where you are. How do you address yeah. it and who do you talk to? Well, you you literally have to approach it not as a single market, which is, I think, one of the mistakes when a lot of investors here look at it. It's not a, I guess the continent has 1.3 billion people, but it's very diverse cultures. <laughs> it's 38 con- different countries, different languages. So you really need to understand the market dynamics of the market that you are entering and understand the political dynamics as well, understand the regulatory and the tax uh, dynamics as well, um, and then look at the uh, opportunity. So today still, I think the most mature markets from investment perspective still tend to be obviously the more known ones like Ghana, Kenya, South Africa, um, Nigeria. Mm-hmm. And, and Côte d'Ivoire, uh, especially with, with French investments, are deemed quite stable uh, because of the uh, francophone um, regulations that they have more mimicking France. But other areas like Egypt, you see some amazing things happening as well. And even in, in areas of political turbulence, there's always huge opportunities. But especially where there's a lot of regulatory and political turbulence, then obviously you just need to look at ensuring how you can navigate that landscape um, with the entrepreneurs, not just to focus on that market, but how can they scale outside quite quickly to mitigate that risk. And a lot of businesses are pretty much, at least the ones that that I'm looking at, um, can pretty much scale pan-African in other developing markets too. So it's just prove the value quickly in the market you're in and then see how you can apply the money to scale out. So Maria, how does this, so there's investors in the U.S. or globally, how do they, how do they get to, they say they want to invest in Africa. Which country do they go to and who do they talk to? Well, typically Nigeria is well known, especially from fintech. I mean, most of your uh, fintech unicorns have come from Nigeria. Um, the ecosystem is is quite strong there. There's a lot of um, funds fund managers in Nigeria as well, which are well quite well known. A lot there's a lot of good fund managers like the Nasperses um, and others in South Africa. And Cape Town is is a good uh, 
South Africa is known for a very mature uh, financial market, so they do do pan-African investment. So we've seen that a lot of the funding has gone more into private equity, um, which is less risk versus early growth stage. But the um, earlier funds uh, or, or, or earlier stage funds, um, we are seeing a lot of trends now of more earlier stage funds and first fund managers and even pan-African funds like... Um, I'm trying to think it's Af uh, Growth Africa and others that you're starting to see getting quite good exits. I mean, Knife Capital in Cape Town is another one where they've seen quite good exits um, where they are starting to invest. And and I think you start seeing that a lot of some of the US investors in Partech Ventures is another one which do tend to partner quite well with a lot of the VC um, ecosystem in, in Africa as well. So my advice is definitely connect with some of the known um, uh, investors and earlier stage investors who understand the market dynamics if you're a US investor that's interested in investing in Africa um, and start understanding the market dynamics in your specific categories of investment that you're interested in. So, you know, companies like Patricia and Flutterwave are amazing companies that have really come up and, you know, yeah. Flutterwave, Flutterwave in particular. So how do those companies, what do they do? I mean, do they focus on their own environment, so they try to go global. And, and do you see them actively trying to go global or they just care about Africa or their particular country? Well, countries, uh, companies like Flutterwave, um, what you will see is they scale Pan-African quite quickly. I mean, just a market like Nigeria is very, very large. Now, the Nigerian um, entrepreneurs are also quite interesting because of the regulations of being able to get money in and out of the country. Mm -hmm. So you will find that a lot of uh, companies like Flutterwave will also domicile the companies in places like the UK or other markets um, to make that investment quite attractive. But with Flutterwave, you, you see that they've had amazing growth because just of the huge opportunity in Africa. And um, that makes them quite good for being able to grow into other developing markets. Now, I haven't seen much growth into other markets quite yet um, from a flutter wave and others, but it doesn't mean that the opportunity is not there. It just means that the own addressable opportunity in Africa is still taking up most of their time. Yeah, well, you got 1.3 billion people. I mean, it's yeah. got the same size as China. I mean, but I heard the statistic that they're under 30 populated is the largest under 30 population in the world. Yes. I mean, it's un incredible how it's changing. And, you know, I yeah. recently spoke at the UN is about technology as a tool for peace. And one of the things I mentioned is I said that, you know, if you create jobs and people can feed their family, they're less, less much less likely to go to places like Boko Haram and to some of these nefarious yeah. uh, places. So what do you think? Which are the, what are the top 10 countries, if you look at it today, that really focus on innovation. Who, what country would you go? Nigeria is that close to the top, or who would you go to? South Africa. <laughs> so Nigeria is still, I would say, um, one of the most active. I think they've done a lot of work on regulation in in uh, being able to have more earlier stage companies grow. I mean, fintech is still quite a popular. Um, uh, category because just of the disparity of the financial systems and participation. So Nigeria, just from size of market, is still quite key. Kenya, South Africa. I mean, uh, Rwanda is another interesting one um, to look at. Egypt, 
uh, Cote d'Ivoire. Um, even, I mean, we started even looking at uh, markets like Ethiopia, where there's some very interesting um, startups uh, coming to light there as well. But I would say these are like the seven, eight, which are, are, are really standing up. Obviously, the, the, the strong one still is pretty much Kenya, Nigeria, um, uh, Egypt, uh, and um, South Africa. Oh, interesting. But, yeah, but you I mean, are I... starting to see the other markets. Uh, as I say, Rwanda is a very interesting one to watch. They're doing a lot of good things from a regulatory and political perspective that I think we'll see a lot more innovation and intrinsically Africa as I mean they if you, I've, I've once seen a raft of innovators they are subsistence innovators so people by nature innovate because of how they need to survive yeah exactly no I agree with you it's it's wonderful to see I know we talked a lot of uh, African startups South African you know can I mean all over the place Egypt also, but we see that there's kind of like a fire underneath them and they really want to come out. And I mean, the, the Nigerian startups we deal with are extremely aggressive in a positive way. And by the way, they know how to build this stuff. They know how to yeah. use machine learning and deep learning. And so it's really amazing. So tell me, how do we do go about and do, uh, bring diversity to the African continent? How do we do that today in terms of making it a better place? <laughs> so there's, I think there's a, there's diversity enough in the African continent. Well, I don't mean in diversity in terms of bringing, you know, investors in. Yeah. Because the one thing I don't see the Western investors, I, they talk about it, but yeah. I know on a recent trip to South Africa and to uh, Kenya and also to Nigeria, it's just, I don't see in terms, I don't mean diversity in that bio uh, ecosystem. I mean, yeah. in terms of bringing, you know, bringing these groups together. You need intergenerational, you need yeah. culturally diverse and decentralized teams and how do we bring them in and how do we open up open this up you know to let them know that this potential exists yeah so for me the only way to open it up to show that the potential exists is i think from an investment perspective is is first of all connect more with the african um, vc landscape because as i say they are the ones with the uh, feet on the and even the incubators obviously google and facebook are doing a lot around incubation as well but i do not see a lot of deal flow coming from these incubation platforms into seed rounds and series a there's huh. also why, not is very... why is that maria that doesn't make any you know that goes back to my point because what we're seeing and we're not seeing those investors and quite frankly some are scared they don't understand the environment it's culturally so different and each one of yeah. the countries i mean you're probably used to it but if you take an investor from Palo Alto, and I'm not not uh, uh, berating them, but I mean, a lot of them haven't, you know, they haven't been to Africa that many times to understand the the cultural and the the uh, nuances. Yeah, and, and 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 that's why I say the key thing is to get involved with uh, the ecosystem there. And for me, one of the biggest opportunities is again, most of the investments you've seen are later rounds, right? Not between seed and series A round, there's a huge gap there. And a lot of it is because of perceived risk. So there's still, we need to bring the investments down from private equity thinking down into earlier stage, which is obviously higher risk. So I think where Google and uh, especially a platform like Google is doing great is more about entrepreneurship training programs, how to scale, bringing in more mentors. But then that 
okay, now you're ready to do that early seed investment. There's not a, a lot of investors that's getting into that. And I think this, that's where a huge opportunity is also from a US investment perspective to um, look at more syndication of rounds for earlier stage growth and provide like you are doing at GSD that mentoring and the support and the operational structure and expertise around those entrepreneurs to grow and scale. So at Unicorn Growth Capital, one of the things we pride ourselves on as well is that we bring that operational experience on banking and finances and telecoms to our entrepreneurs uh, of the companies we co-invest in and invest in ourselves um, and sometimes the lead. But that structure is so key. And I think more education, I'm quite involved with some Pan-African accelerators um, that's also bringing then, you know, the how-tos, bringing the mentors to just bring that support to the entrepreneurs so that they can start commanding and present a better quality of why they are such amazing companies to invest in. I know we recently, with one of the startups, we got Rick Orloff, the former chief security officer at Apple, and eBay, uh, top security yeah. app on eBay to go on one of the, and they were so, couldn't believe it. The companies down in Africa, South Africa, couldn't believe it. And they made such an uh, amazing deal of it. And it helped them a lot because people took them real seriously because they so they looked at their connections to Silicon Valley and to the rest of the yeah. world. Maria, yeah. we're coming up to the top of the show. So um, uh, closing thoughts and how do people get a hold of you? So, yes, so um, love to talk to more about the African opportunities and, and investment and if people are interested. So they can connect with me at um, maria at thepinar.com. And uh, otherwise, I'm on LinkedIn. It's just if you look at https uh, www.linkedin.com forward slash Maria Pinar, one word then you can just connect with me through that as well. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you very much for taking time out of your busy schedule to join my show today. And to my audience out there, um, it's great. Go out, look at the African opportunities. Look at opportunities all over the world you, where you can make a dent in the universe. There's incredible, incredibly talented people that have incredible companies that are looking for investment, they're looking for guidance, they're looking for mentors and advisors. Go out there. You know, get out of your seat, go down there, talk to them, meet them on the Internet, meet them at these pitching competitions, and more importantly, support them. And when you can, invest in them. Uh, to all of you again, my name is Gary Fowler. I am the CEO and co-founder of GSD Get You Done Venture Studios. Thanks for joining my show today. To all of you, stay safe, stay healthy, and most importantly, stay happy. We'll stay tuned again for Thursday for another edition of GSD Presents Silicon Valley AI and Tech. And I'm your host. Thanks, Maria. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, Gary. Bye.